0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are wrapping
1: up Em's magical realism unit. Uh, Em knew from a young age after reading Skellig that maybe this wasn't the genre for her. Uh, If I had read Skellig at a formative age, I think I would agree that magical realism is bonkers. (laughs) Uh, we followed that up by reading a more classic example of the genre, like Water for Chocolate, which was better. Still a yeah. little strange, but better. And we ended it by me choosing a book I thought M would like, um, which I was concerned i voiced concerns about whether or not this was actually magical realism but mm-hmm. it was a book that i thought M would love so i was like fuck it let's do it
0: <laughs> let's go
1: let's do it it's uh gods of jade and shadow by sylvia moreno garcia so M, mm-hmm. what'd you think of this book
0: um okay so i feel like I feel terrible because this is the second unit in a row where I'm gonna be like, "This book was the tits, but it does not fit the brief."
1: Because yes, I felt that way too. The more I read it, but okay. okay. In my defense, though, <laughs> on the publisher's website, it has it listed as magical realism.
0: Yes, uh, I and I, I feel like we got to before we get into the book, we got to talk about the genre a little bit because I guess this is successful this unit was successful in the sense this, and this might be the first successful unit in the sense that I feel like I will now go read more magical realism.
1: Yay. Yes. So
0: that's good because I don't fucking know what the genre is. (laughs) We need to explore. I don't know because (laughs) I guess maybe this is magical realism. If we understand magical realism to just be, it's the real world that exists but there is magic in it like it is that would be like urban fantasies (laughs) right but I think and maybe this is the thing that makes it magical realism maybe what magical realism is is just fantasy in a historical real world setting because I feel like Mm -hmm. all of the magical realism that I know of has that time shift of like except for Skellig but maybe that one's not magical realism I
1: don't know. That one was just <laughs> terrifying. Maybe it was a horror movie.
0: I don't know. Or book, considering it, we read it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like there are other genres that are fantasy that is in the real world, right? So mm-hmm. I thought like you said, you know, urban fantasy paranormal. I need a Blake shit. Uh, Anita Blake is magical realism folks it's definitely not though but, <laughs> like, but like to me this uh, book specifically felt a, felt a lot more like portal fantasy where it was like there's the mm. real world and there's the magical world mm-hmm. and you have to traverse some sort of um like you have to have a guide you to have to have a guide it. you have to have a way in and usually yeah. portal fantasy is literally like a portal like Line the witch, line the witch in the wardrobe, where mm-hmm. you step through into the other world, and this one kind of blurs it a little bit, but it's not. You really need to read every heart of doorway. It's so good. <laughs> it's not like this is just the real world, world, and there just is magic and there's no explanation. There's a ton of explanation in this book. Yeah. So but- I don't know.
1: I wonder if it's just kind of like a vibe because the beginning of this book read so similarly to like Mm -hmm. Water for Chocolate. And the end of this book did too. And the end of this book, yes, the end of this book did too. I wonder if it's just kind of like you just, all the characters are like, cool, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to take it at face value because no one really questions anything. They're just Mm -hmm. like, here's this fantastic thing that's happening to me. Okay,
0: going with it. Maybe magical realism is like porn when you mm-hmm. where you can't define know it, it but you know it where when you see it, right? Yeah, we have to just present
1: every magical realism book to RBG and see
0: <laughs> and come back with the verdict. yes. <laughs> Um, All that being said, I did like this book an awful lot. Oh, this
1: book fucked me up. It was just like Nation two weeks ago. Oh, my God, you guys. These endings are killing me.
0: Just so But I knew about probably 75% of the way through, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those books where it's going to be a literary Mm -hmm. ending and not an ending Mm -hmm. where they fuck.
1: Not an ending where she ascends into godhood with him and they live forever. Just like perfectly yeah yeah
0: I also think that this like you said you picked this book because you thought I would like it and I thought it was so funny because I was like oh yeah this is like one of the tropes that I love the most which is mortal being falls in love with death god (laughs) it's very specific (laughs) well and I thought about it and I I was was like like, this is ancient mages bride vibes all over "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm but like, I thought about it. and I was like, why do I like that so much? And then I remembered this book that I this book series that I read as a kid, and I think might have like, been way more formative than uh-huh. I thought it was, which is the mythomania series. By, I don't know that. Gosh, I can't remember the. This was like, probably like second grade, maybe. Here's where we Google something yeah, yeah, and yeah. look at
1: it together and describe to you guys. Where
0: we're at. I can't remember the author, and my Google's being slow, so Anne will bring um, it up.
1: Mythomania series by Kate Kate, Mc- Ma- Kate McMullen. Kate
0: McMullen. Okay, cool.
1: Oh, these so, covers are
0: very early 2000s. I love mm-hmm. it. Oh, no, this
1: mm-hmm. was published in 2011.
0: No, it definitely wasn't. Hold on. You Maybe it was I'm... a reprinting completely misremembering when you read this this two years (laughs) after graduating high school
1: oh no this is 2002 here okay okay so i would have been
0: i would have been 11 that tracks
1: yeah Um, yeah 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 Yeah. these covers they don't look like 2011 yeah they're very good
0: but they are retellings of greek myths from the perspective of hades and Hades oh being God, like, my brother Zeus is a dick who's lied about everything, and I'm actually the best one. And I was like, yeah, I agree. This is great. hundred percent. And I think that, like, one of the books in the series was, like, the Persephone story. And mm-hmm. I, that is, Phone I'm pretty Persephone. sure. Yeah, there you go. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that is the first, like, literary or fictional thing that I shipped. Like, I didn't say, like, I didn't have the yeah. term shipping at the time. But I was so into it.
1: Oh yeah. I could I could see really getting into this series. The more I look at them, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is also young Anna
0: Oliver. <laughs> right? So this is like that I think I read that and I was just like, Yes, I love death gods and non-death gods falling in love. That is my kink, apparently.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I cause I'm in the same boat, right? Like we both have this tendency to like these I don't want to say darker characters because it
0: sounds really edgelord, but like. It's a little edgelord though, isn't it? (laughs) We like the edgelords. Right. Like. I think what it is, is it's the edgelord without like, it's like the bad boy without him actually being a bad boy. Right. Because it's like, and I'm saying bad boy, but I am fine with female. Like I Mm -hmm. would love a female death God story too. It just usually skews male for some reason. (laughs) But uh, it's like. Oh, he's so dark and mysterious and brooding and all that, but he's not like actually a bad guy. He's natural and part of life, and you have to understand and accept yeah, that and whatever. So it's everybody like everybody
1: dies. It's an inevitability. Yeah.
0: It's like the vampire thing without the actual problematic, oh, he's probably killed some people part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very and, true. I mean, Death God has obviously killed people, but like because that's. Just his job, and it's fine.
1: <laughs> he has to. Everybody has dies, to. and he doesn't enjoy
0: it. It's just a fact, okay? And maybe you can change him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, and actually, I think that's the thing. I think with death gods, it's like, the, you can change him. Because I mentioned vampires, because that's usually the thing with vampire romances, right? Is like, mm-hmm. oh, if you fall in love with this vampire, you will... St- fix him and he will not eat people anymore right like is usually the outcome that yes
1: i'm sorry i'm nodding a lot for our listeners
0: at home <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with death gods it's like usually they don't have to be fixed right yeah it's, just it's like, like
1: you have to be fixed to understand them
0: yeah they just get to be brooding and mysterious <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Um, anyway this book this book is so good you guys
1: my notes on this, it, it, the, again, just like Nation, this was this this was such a meaty book. There was so much in it.
0: There was a lot going on.
1: There was also a lot of plot, and so I kind of just have to plow through it. And I'm sorry for everything that I'm missing. Uh, as to who we would recommend this book to. Oh, right, right, right. Just read it. Just read it, because I'm not going to give you the same experience.
0: <laughs> if you are a emo teen, mm-hmm. but like deep and you're too deep for Twilight. This one's great. <laughs> if you That's... yourself are an edge lord, <laughs> if you are an edge lord, you'll love this. I mean, yeah, I think that I would recommend this to most people. I think even if you don't like romantic stories, it has enough oh, there's literary a literary quality to it that it's like you'll probably still like it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I agree. I think I think this kind of it skews a little bit i think i think it's supposed to be adult but it could skew a little bit like new adult or young adult yeah Even just because the main character is
0: 18 sure but,
1: i don't know you just read it do yourself a favor read this book
0: I was going to say I have a lot to say about this book, but specifically the ending, and I basically have nothing to say about the plot except it was good. So this is going to be an interesting episode because it's literally just going to be Anna saying the plot for 30 minutes. Yeah,
1: and I didn't come with a game, so uh,
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I should have come up with a game, sorry. I don't
1: have time for a game, this plot, man. I think these are the longest notes I've written for books so far.
0: So. Let's go.
1: Okay, so this book takes place in Mexico. Well, huh? and
0: I did want to talk about... No, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: kill you. <laughs> uh, this book takes place in Mexico on the on the Yucatan Peninsula. And Cassiopeia is a young girl who has to live with her mother's family, who doesn't treat her very nicely, just like water for chocolate. Um, her mom ran away with a man against her father's wishes. They had Cassiopeia, and then the man died. So her mother had to come, come home with her tail between her legs, kind of. And her family was still all salty about the fact that she eloped. So they treat her like a servant instead of a human.
0: Cool.
1: anyway i wait wait wait
0: wait, wait. hold on because what you just said was they treat her like a servant instead of a human which does imply oh no i think i meant
1: i think i meant slave not servant i'm
0: sorry either way slaves are <laughs> well, still human you know,
1: like it was inhumane treatment i understand anna I understand. <laughs> I just feel we need to
0: clarify.
1: Okay, I clarify. I, 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 okay. Let's take it. Let's walk this back. They were mean to her and it was not good. Thank you. <laughs> they made her do dishes instead of letting the other servants that they hired do the dishes.
0: Those inhuman servants who deserve to do the dishes. Yes, because that's their job. Not just kidding, you guys.
1: <laughs> uh. Anyway... Cassiopeia is made to look after her grandfather, uh, and she basically... It's like water for chocolate. Just whatever whim and fancy grandfather had, that's what Cassiopeia had to do. And she also has this cousin named Martine who is very mean to her because of jealousy. But this relationship, I do have to pause here. Because the relationship between Cassiopeia and Martine is... So layered and excellent. Like, I think it's just going to be the snotty rich boy, which he is hating his cousin because she is different. But the way that the book explores that and the realizations that Martin comes to about his anger towards Cassiopeia and Cassiopeia's forgiveness
0: of him oh, it's just. I fucking loved their relationship. I loved Martin also. And I thought that, like, He this was such a good I I talked about this a little bit in Like Water for Chocolate with like the feminist angle of it, but like Uh this too, where it's like it's very clearly set up that Martin is fucked up and the reason he is fucked up is because of the patriarchy. Yes. It's so good.
1: Like And it even says something about how like I think it has a line that almost directly reflects that. Where his like his dad was like meek and quiet and was also submitted to that patriarchy i don't know there was something in there that they
0: said yeah, that. yeah yeah like his father was his father was well see i can't remember it either but i know what you're talking about yes the, <laughs> it is
1: there guys read this book and and, and look that up for us <laughs> but yeah and and how his mom was like the one that was like don't he i don't know just you could see where the
0: seeds were planted and how and just i loved the like the use of repetition in this also Mm -hmm. with um i think the the exact phrasing of it might be like the time cassiopeia hit martine with the stick or something where they use like yes that phrase pretty much like multiple times where it's like just the incident right and they're Mm -hmm. like and everything kind of keeps going back to that of, like, Cassiopeia's, like, treatment by her family gets degraded. But then, like, we find out later with through Martine's perspective where he's like, but actually it was a couple days before that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it was
1: him. The grandfather. Yes,
0: the grandfather uh, looking, like, being disappointed by Martine and looking at Cassiopeia and saying, I wish that you were a boy. And, like, that's why, oh, it's so it's, good. It's so
1: good. And the way it unfolds, it just, this book was it's so well written. This it's book just, was
0: tight. Oh,
1: my God, you guys. One day, Cassiopeia's family all goes to visit Asino, and they leave Cassiopeia behind because she was a naughty girl who disobeyed Martine's wishes. And Cassiopeia decides to take the opportunity to open up this large chest that her grandfather has always been very guarded about. And, like, best-case scenario, she's like, I'm going to steal whatever's in this and run away and start a new life. (laughs) And worst-case scenario, I'll just continue to live my sad servant life. (laughs) So Cassiopeia opens the chest. And inside, she she finds a bunch of bones. And when she reaches inside to kind of push them around to see if anything else is in there, a sliver of a bone shard embeds itself in her finger. And the bones that are remaining in the chest form together and grow muscles and skin and become the uh, form of... the supreme lord of the underworld jibalba which is very cool it had it kind of like there was a moment where i was like ew is this gonna be attack on titan but then then he got skinned so it was okay
0: this is also like a lot of times when i'm reading a book i'm like oh this would be a cool movie like to see Mm. but specifically i was like this would be a really cool animated film yes I agree. I would love to see this adapt, because I think, like, with the, the, you could do a lot stylistically with, like, the real world and Shibalba and whatever. Mm -hmm. It'd be very cool. I would, I would like to see that. Um, Like, I know
1: different cultures, but, like, a Studio Mm Ghibli-style adaptation.
0: Yeah. It'd be very good. It'd be good. See, this is the thing. I don't have anything funny to say about this. I just, it would be good. Just agree with me. It's fantastic. It's great. (laughs) Oh,
1: so, <laughs> Hunkame reveals that his brother Vukukame. But I, guessing
0: I here. I think I kind of looked up the pronunciations, but they were not very. There wasn't a good like resource to find the standardized pronunciations of this. So yeah. Sorry if we're like entirely butchering the pronunciations here, guys.
1: Hk and his brother Vk. <laughs> <laughs> Those don't have gross, like, meanings, do they? I'm just going to go with it. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, HK reveals that his brother conspired to steal his throne from him and trapped him in this chest. And then he, like, took his, one of his ears, a finger, a necklace, and I think one of his eyes. Yes. And hid them. And without those things, Hunkame is not fully a god. He is mostly... A god. And he's actually pulling his life essence from Cassiopeia because of the bone shard in her finger. And so because of this, Cassiopeia has a little bit of Hunkame's abilities. Like, she has the ability to heal, and no one can hurt her as long as she walks by his side. And Hunkame is slowly becoming more mortal. And there's a time limit, because Hunkame may draw too much from Cassiopeia and become fully mortal, and Cassiopeia will just die. Which is not great. So, would also be a very
0: good video game. Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> like like a Majora's Mask, where you only have yeah, three yeah, yeah. days, yeah, or however many days. I've never played that game.
0: Anyway, <laughs> and like you have to like balance how much of your god power versus like how much of your mortal power is. Oh like, yeah 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 yeah. And then mm-hmm. at the end, you could choose
1: whether or not he became a god again, or if he stayed, Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, spoilers. So, girl is like, I don't want to die, so I guess I will go with you, because also, I hate this place. So,
0: they get <laughs> it's on like a train. easy choice to make.
1: Yes. <laughs> they get on a train to the city of Mer- Merida um, to visit a demon named Lore. And Lore gives Cassiopeia and Hunkame money and clothes, and he tells Hunkame the location of his ear. Um, it is in Veracruz with a weather god. And Loray also gets a moment alone with Cassiopeia. And he's like, if you ever feel like maybe Hunkame is going to lose this, you could just cut off your hand. Because the bone shard that's in there will no longer hold any more power. And Hunkame will be too weak. And then his brother VK can just come in and kill him. And maybe he'll be lenient on you. Cassiopeia's like, nah, that sounds shit. But she does keep that information in the back of her mind. So
0: do you think... That Lor was actually playing the long game here, or was he legitimately being like, "Yeah, chop off your hand'
1: Cause- I think Lorray to me is the type of character who is playing both sides all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if he has much loyalty.
0: I found him very interesting, and I very much want to read the sequel to this I, book, I, I was but just I don't think say that. that's actually a thing that's happening.
1: I don't think it needs a sequel, but um, I would definitely read would it. Would
0: read it. A hundred percent. Kind of like American Gods and Anansi Boys, where it's like, it definitely doesn't need a sequel, but mm-hmm. like, I'm so glad that that sequel exists. I, I
1: do want to continue in that world longer. Yeah. And they have two completely different vibes, too, which is mm-hmm, nice. Like, this mm-hmm. was, like, the very serious, dramatic one. And then the next one will be the goofy road trip book. Yeah, Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kame has discovered that Hunkame has escaped the chest that Cassiopeia's grandfather was keeping for him. And so he tasks Martine with winning Cassiopeia to his side so that they can defeat Hunkame for good, and Martine is sent after them. Because the thing is, like, the gods themselves cannot directly interfere, but they can have messengers and, uh, what is the word? Like, a a person who goes to do a thing for you, like a, uh, agent? Kind of, yeah, I guess agent is the word I'm looking for. You can have agents that they can act through, um, and so Martine is, um... His choice. I don't think he had many, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was basically like the grandfather who is. <laughs> old and almost dead. <laughs> well, I was going to say playing the role of Charlie Bucket's grandparents. Pre- yeah. Because <laughs> <Golden Ticket. laughs> there is like a line in here or something when uh, Kame shows up to talk to him and he's like. Get the fuck out of bed, and he's like, "Oh, I can't. I'm so frail. Cough, cough." And it's <laughs> but so I have mo- a
1: golden ticket. <laughs> well, <anyway. laughs> All right
0: then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go get my grandson. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he was kind of a shitbag bag.
0: <laughs> uh, he was definitely a shit bag.
1: Uh, Cassiopeia and hunkame head to Veracruz, where they are celebrating Carnival, and they devise a plan where Cassiopeia is going to act as bait, sexy bait. To get this particular storm god's attention because he likes to kiss and more.
0: (laughs) This was the first moment where I was like, how old is she supposed to be? Because I don't think they tell you for a while. Mm. And there's kind of like, I think there's a reference to like, her being treated like a servant from the time she was 13 and i'm like okay but she's well past 13 now right
1: yes oh, please please don't let this be like 15 year old tita please
0: <laughs> and i think it is eventually revealed that she's 18 because mm-hmm. she says like i might not live to see 19 which i guess she could still be 13 and say that but that would be but that wild. would be weird <laughs> <laughs> that would be a weird 19 is gonna be a big year for cassie let me tell you <laughs> unless no i don't think that's it because i think She says that in reference to driving a car. Yes. And I don't think that there were rules about the age that you could drive a car at, period, in the 1920s. But I doubt it was 19 if that was...
1: Yeah, that's a weird one. That's
0: very (laughs) strange. That would be a weird choice. Uh,
1: So they trap and intimidate this um, storm god with the help of uh, Cassiopeia's boobs boobs yeah (laughs) yeah the boobs they did it and the plan works and hunkame gets his ear back and he's like great now that i have this ear i can properly listen to the voices of the dead so let's go talk to some dead peeps
0: i feel like that was the thing that was brought up here and then kind of dropped where it was like oh the things that he's getting back are specifically like things that he needs to do the next part right yeah it wasn't like oh now that i have my finger i can point it the direction we need to go or something it was you know
1: <laughs> yeah it was like the ear was
0: for that useful. and then the eye he never got to the eye but he was like i need it to see he got the eye at the very end his brother gave it back to him
1: oh okay okay okay
0: yeah spoiler <laughs> but it wasn't like it wasn't for like you said it wasn't like now that i have the eye i can see the true future that i need or something yeah like that. yeah it was which I don't know if that would actually be good. I feel like that would be bad. But it was kind of weird that the ear was a specific thing that he needed to do a thing. And everything else was just like, ah, I just want him. I got my fingy. Thank you. <laughs> I was so itchy. <laughs> None of the other nine would do. No. Uh,
1: So he raises this dead. It's like a some sort of like Jibalba beast uh, that he has some amount of control over as a death lord and they're like your body parts are in these locations mexico city el paso and baja california so that's all i can tell you
0: goodbye now See, so this would be a good video game and you have to figure out which one you should go to next like- yeah
1: exactly like it, the game could <laughs> could go any way you want it to but obviously you would do all the side quests first before you even got any of the body parts so you would be too op by the time you got to these boss fights it just wouldn't be fun at all <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) they get to Mexico City, and Hunkame tells Cassiopeia that he needs to now summon some ghosts, which is different from what he did earlier, because this time they need to make a sacrifice, and that sacrifice has to be Cassiopeia's hair. And girl's like, but it's the only thing about me that's beautiful. And Hunkame's like, no, you're still beautiful, because they're starting to fall in love. (laughs)
0: Except he says, here's the thing. He says all these cute things, but it's all like he says it matter-of-factly and like he says it without emotion and I'm like, "Yes, that's yeah. what I want."
1: Give me give me more of that like just stone-cold, definitely emotionally detached facade. Yes. That's honestly not even joking. That's what does it.
0: Yes. Well, here's here's <laughs> I think the actual reason why that's sexier because it's like oh, He really feels this. He's not saying this to get something out of me, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. like that's just how the world is. He just thinks I'm beautiful, and that's a fact to him. I'm into it. So good. Give me your hard, hard facts. (laughs) And especially like it's a line
1: that you just like, like you're walking out of the room and you look over your shoulder. You're like, by the way, you're still hot. And then you just leave. Oh, swoon. <laughs> oh, boy. You need open a window. It's getting what? hot in here. <laughs> so, Hunkame summons the ghosts. And he's like, hey, don't look them in the eye and don't let go of my hand. Because they are hungry ghosts. And Pia's like, what's that mean? And accidentally ends up doing both of those things and is almost eaten by the ghosts. But they are so hungry. And she snaps out of it at the last minute. It's fine, guys. But the ghosts tell Hunkame to see Jitabe who is a spirit, uh, like a human ghost, who was altered because she desired more power. Different from a demon, I guess. I don't know. There was this whole dialogue about why that was important.
0: (laughs) So I thought I'd mention it. This is what I kind of was referring to when I was talking about how this doesn't feel like magical realism in the sense of, like, water for chocolate, where everything was just kind of like, oh, it just is this way. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like the author kind of realized that the audience she was writing for may not be as familiar with this mythological system as say mm-hmm. like Greek mythology, which we white have
1: mythological, white system.
0: people <laughs> myths, which like everybody had to read and, you know, not that they fucking love Greek myths too, but like, oh, yeah. I feel like authors can kind of get away with more in terms of just being like, oh yeah you know there was this nymph and we're all like yeah we kind of understand what that is it's mm-hmm. like not quite a god but it's like not really human either and it's got nature powers got it mm-hmm. whereas this it's like there's obviously this very like rich mythology that she's pulling from but she has to keep kind of stopping and being like okay look there are here's what ghosts, it <laughs> and there are spirits and they're different things and they have different <laughs> functions and i'm sorry i have to stop here for a minute to explain this but it's not gonna make sense otherwise
1: <laughs> i thought it, it was good that it felt it kind of fit in because there's this theme or this phrase i guess that hunkame keeps repeating is like your words have power and those mm-hmm. words cause things to be so it kind of also has this double meaning of like don't call her the wrong thing because your words have yeah. power and you should yeah and there's yeah. also
0: like this emphasis on like narrative in this and mm-hmm how Cassiopeia is aware of how narratives work because of her father and because of like the stories that he was interested in and told her he was a poet on an English major level on a, you know, thematic level. It's great. But on a, like comparing it, it's also very accessible. (laughs) It's yeah. Comparing it to other like um, magical realism because it's specifically rooted in this mythology. It does feel more explained. Like it has to Mm -hmm. be, Fleshed out more, which I think takes it away from magical realism a little bit because I feel like that is just That's like kind
1: of the pen, yeah.
0: There's just a world and magic exists sometimes in it, and we're not going to explain it any more than that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there also is like a glossary in the back, too, so I'm yes. kind of wondering if maybe
0: if that would have been enough to just, like, kind of gloss over something.
1: I don't know. I, but I feel like you lose some stuff. I don't
0: know. I, I didn't – I I don't know better. did bad. read through the glossary just to see if there was anything that I missed, and I was like, I don't feel like this was necessary because I mm-hmm. feel like I got it all from the book, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, d- I wonder why that was included, if there that was an editor choice or an author choice. Probably editor. <laughs> I feel like it was an editor choice. I also feel like I don't want to say. I really want to see if I can find like an interview with the author and see if she calls this magical realism because I kind of uh, feel like the publisher might have just slapped it on there. It could be like it's fantasy written by a Hispanic person. It's got to be magical realism. But I don't know. Maybe she did intend to write something that was magical yeah. realism.
1: I don't know. I do know one of her other books has vampires on it. So
0: so I will be know. reading that next.
1: Yep. 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 <laughs> Uh, before they go to see Chitabe, they have to like run some errands, including buying a necklace to impress Chitabe with, and Cassiopeia's like, I gotta fix my hair, because I did not cut it
0: good. So she <laughs> All goes of us salon. after this quarantine, right?
1: <laughs> she didn't know, but she would have been A-OK in 2020. <laughs> uh, but in the 1920s, she had to go and get her cute little flapper haircut. Um, and on the way back, she runs into Martine, who is like, please just come home with me and ask for Vukukame's forgiveness or else our family will be cursed and I will no longer be a rich boy. And Cassiopeia's like, fuck off. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so he does. Um, and then Cassiopeia and and uh, Hunkame go to the speakeasy club where Jitabe just like hangs out or owns. I don't know. And uh, she does not want to give up Hunkame's finger because Vukukame has promised her a place at his side and will, like, let her ascend to godhood or whatever if she is on his side. And so she starts to do some magic on Hunkame to put him in this, like, suggestible trance sort of state. And also there's all these, like, decorative plants that uh, are around the room, and they try to strangle Cassiopeia, and Cassiopeia, like, fights the plants, and whatever damage (laughs) she does to the plants appears on Jatabe, but... Uh, right when things are getting dire, Cassiopeia calls out to Hunkame, and her voice is enough to knock him out of the trance, because they're in love. <laughs> and-
0: <laughs> I really wish you guys could have seen Anna's face.
1: <laughs> and they overpower Shabe and get Hunkame's finger back, and he puts it on. There they go. It doesn't do anything else other than, like, gives him some more of his god powers, but, like, it. Like you said, it's not like with the ear, like there was a purpose to it. It's just like, aha, my finger,
0: now my hands can wiggle, I don't know. (laughs) Now I can do jazz hands, (laughs) as needed in the jazz age.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So then Cassiopeia and Hunkame head to El Paso to look for this character named Ue Chivo, who is a sorcerer who has Hunkame's necklace.
0: Um, that also seems a little bit like, one of these things is not like the other,
1: right? <laughs> it was his favorite necklace.
0: He <laughs> needs that necklace.
1: It really makes the outfit. Like, a <laughs> <laughs> statement piece. Uh, but, because this is a quest, to find Uechivo's location, they must first go to a witch. And again, a sacrifice must be made. Uh, this time with Cassiopeia's blood. So she gives up seven drops of blood to the witch and sleeps for seven hours. And Cassiopeia dreams of Shibalba and has kind of like a pretentious dream about walking the streets and the streets turning, or the river and the river turning into blood. And it's all spooky and she does not like it. Um, and she wakes up. She doesn't really want to talk about it because, again, your words have power and they cause things to be. So.
0: This is also, I think, when um, Hunkame. Kind of comes clean about the fact that if they fail, it will have like catastrophic results for yes. humanity. Yes. <laughs> up to this point, it's been kind of like Cassiopeia is going along with it because if she doesn't, she will die and she doesn't want that. But then Hunkame's like, oh, also, if my brother gets Because his brother's got this like side plan going He's of got a like.
1: Muscle.
0: He wants Hunkame to actually get all these bits back and get to the end point so that he can kill Hunkame and like awaken more power and Hunkame's like if he does that he's it's going to be real bad for humans uh-huh. so the sea notes will
1: run b- red with the blood sacrifices of your people
0: yeah cool,
1: cool doesn't sound ideal dead.
0: not not particularly <laughs> <laughs> but also even if that happens she'd already be dead so I guess she kind of she wouldn't mad. care I guess she'd, she'd just be chilling in Jabalba with Hunkame's ghost I don't know
1: In the, in the house of razors, I think is what they called the very bad, like, it's like a chokey, I guess, from Matilda is what I was
0: imagining. I was just, I was picturing more, um, the scene in the first Harry Potter book where they go Mm -hmm. to, they're going to get to the stone and there's that room with the flying keys, except the keys are all razors. They're just (laughs) razor blades. It's
1: very hazardous. The next day, they go to Uechivo's house, and of course, this dude's like, "I'm not giving you the necklace." So they get into a big fight. There's some fire and a lot of like wooden goats that have to get chopped up. Yeah,
0: I didn't, I didn't follow exactly what's happening in this scene.
1: They were all mad at each other, but eventually, uh, Hunkame is able to behead Uechivo. Hooray! And they get the necklace. And there's like a little bit where like Cassiopeia's like, "You shouldn't have killed him." That wasn't great. And Hunkame is like, but I'm a god and I'm indifferent. And also he's, like, going to be resurrected, so who cares? But it kind of, like, plants this seed of kindness in Hunkame's mind where, like, Cassiopeia is constantly reminding him, like, you need to be better. You need to be kinder. You need to be... I don't, I don't know. Learn from the past. Learn from your mistakes. Whatever. Because it was, like, Hunkame's indifference that pissed his brother off in the first place. So, like, Whatever. She's trying to teach him an important lesson, and he does learn it in the end. It's the only reason I'm bringing it up. So they go to, they go to Tijuana, <laughs> Baja, California. <laughs> and meanwhile, while this is happening, Martine is learning how to walk the Black Road to get to the Jade Palace in Jabalba, which is where the throne is that Hunkame and Vukobkame sit upon. Um, because Vukobkame is like, I'm going to propose a race between you and Cassiopeia, and I'm going to make sure you win by like letting you do it ahead of time. So, Martina's training, going through that montage, and Cassiopeia and Hunkame arrive in Tijuana, and Hunkame is like, hey, I'm not, like, gonna say or acknowledge that we're falling in love or anything, but FYI, once I do fully become a god again, which I'm about to do once we collect all this shit, I'm going to change, and I'm not going to remember you as I do now, so, like, let's just appreciate this while we can, I guess, just giving you a heads up. It's not gonna be happy. (laughs) Which was considerate of him. I agree, yeah. It was so sad though. And I still like at this point in the book, I was like still holding out hope. Like, no, maybe, maybe not. Author, no,
0: author, no. I, I think this was around the time where I was like, Oh yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a literary Fuck book. Yeah. <laughs> book. No,
1: happily ever after here. Eh. I was kind I mean. of
0: holding out hope that like she would ascend to godhood or something, but now it's like, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that would yeah. be cheesy. She's too but, human. Yeah, it would kind of undercut a lot of the message of this book, I suppose. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, which, Hunkame had been promising Cassiopeia her heart's desire upon completion of this quest, and this is what she realizes: her heart's desire cannot be hers, alas. So... Martine shows up to escort Cassiopeia and Hunkame to this fancy-ass hotel that Vukubkame has styled to be like a pyramid because this location is a source of power. So, basically, the whole reason that Vukubkame wanted the throne specifically was because he felt like Hunkame was becoming super complacent with being irrelevant in the modern era of 1920s. Just, whatever. And Vukubkame wants to start this new era of fear and worship like we talked about So he's going to try and spill his brother's blood here because this is a magic pyramid that's not a pyramid (laughs) that he built for this purpose to be um, Hunkame's tomb. So they go to this very civilized dinner with Martine and uh, this sorcerer that I haven't really mentioned yet in the book. There was a whole thing where he made the weapon that was able to hurt Hunkame in the first place. <laughs> but he's the brother of Ue Chivo, who's dead. So he's all pissed off. But they go to dinner together. Very happy party of four. And they're like, hey, going to ask you one more time if you'd like to join us, Cassiopeia. But if not, here's the deal. We're going to do this race where you and Martine are going to see who can get to the Jade Palace first. Um, and it will probably be Martine because he's been practicing. They're like, well, I guess that's I guess that's what it has to be. And then Vukub Kame makes an appearance and he's like, hey, if you guys just let me be the Supreme Lord of the Underworld, I'll fix it so that you and Hun Kame can live a mortal life together because you're falling in love. It, think about it. You've got an hour to respond to me, but think about it.
0: Was he really offering them a mortal life together or was he just like, you can both die and be... No, yeah, he
1: said die, and then he'll resurrect them. Oh, okay. (laughs) But they would have had to die first, which is, like, would he have resurrected them?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Seems like (laughs) probably not. I don't know. Actually, maybe he might have, because he kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like he would have thought that was, like, a punishment enough for his brother, right? Like, because he he was so dismissive of, like, mortals in general, that that might have been better for him anyway to be like hey, hey, you're mortal now fuck off you yeah know? yeah i could
1: maybe maybe there is some like with
0: the whole words have power thing i don't think he could like agree to a bargain and then like go back on it you know yeah
1: yeah so when <laughs> and kasapia head to the sea because death has no uh, sovereignty over the sea that belongs to someone else which um,
0: i don't think that's accurate
1: nothing in the sea dies um, steve Irwin no- <laughs> i mean <laughs> that was also some other guys fault not Hunkame's, okay um <laughs> 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 uh, uh and so vuku kame cannot spy on them in the water and Hunkame is like look words have power if you just give me a new name I will no longer be Hunkame and we could live a whole life together and be so happy even though my brother would be ruining the world and demanding <laughs> sacrifices and shit and it would be so good and they kiss a bunch.
0: Well, I think there's there's kind of an implication that and I think we kind of see this with Lorray, the demon that was from way earlier in this podcast mm-hmm. uh, where he's French originally and, and I want, meant to look that up to see if there was like some french mythology about this demon or something but he got imported to mexico and has just been stuck there pretty much ever since
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh so i think there is kind of like the implication that the gods have power over the area in which they were worshipped right so uh-huh. like he'd be able to fuck up mexico pretty bad but like they could probably go somewhere else oh
1: yeah yeah they uh, yeah they could probably just head to maine <laughs> <laughs> It'd be, be fine they wouldn't have to hear about it it's cool
0: <laughs> like that's fine whatever yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh cassiopeia is like no i know how mythology works and i have to be the hero of the story so i have to give up my heart's desire in order for this world to be a better place so we cannot be together i'm so sorry <laughs> So sad. Uh, and there's like all this imagery too of like the more mortal Hunkame becomes, or the more like he's letting his human emotions or the human side of him take control, like his his face, cha- like the way he looks changes in a way that's like not obvious, but he looks less uh, godlike, I guess. And there's like this huge shift where, like Cassiopeia sees the man in him leave, and he's just a god now. And it's just boy oh boy oh boy, it was good, <laughs> so good. Such, such angst. Such angst. I loved it. Uh, I'm really going to be trolling for fan fiction on this one. I feel
0: like this isn't a fan fictiony y type book, though. I wonder, you know. It probably does not have a huge fandom, no. Yeah. It should. It we should. should. We should start writing fan fiction. For uh, someone book. give me some
1: gift sets, man. I don't know <laughs> who you got to cast as who, but just do it. So they go back to tell kame that they're going to do the race. And for the sake of time because the summary has been going on for a long time already, Cassiopeia <laughs> and Martine are just making their way downtown, walking fast, ghosts go past, and it's all good until Kame tells Martine to just fucking kill his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and Martine is like, no, I cannot. I am not a murderer. But he does push Cassiopeia down a hill, which makes her lose her way. And as we all know, like in Underworld-type scenarios, if you stray from the path, you done so. So he does kind of kill path. her. it may not have been his hand that did it but boy martine if it weren't for you so at this point cassiopeia is like i know i'm not going to make it in time but there was that information that laura gave me about cutting off my hand and there's been a lot of talk about like sacrifices and words having power so what if i just sacrificed myself to hunkame and that would give him the power to be in charge again.
0: I don't think it was that, like, thought out, right? Because she was going to cut off her hand and just be like, fuck it. I'm switching sides. Yeah, because I've lost. She's like, lost? Might as well try this. But then, like, halfway through cutting off her hand, she, like, pivots and goes for the throat, man.
1: Yeah, she's, I sacrificed myself to the Supreme Lord of Jababa. Hun kame And... This, like, resonates very deeply with Shabalba. And,
0: like, everyone gets sucked into Shabalba to the palace. Mm-hmm. And then, like... <laughs> this giant alligator comes out of the water. And, like, does it, like, spit her up? Like I think he
1: was holding her. I don't know if he... And maybe he was carrying her in, her, in his mouth. I don't know.
0: I was picturing this very much. He's like, like, he's mouth, like
1: hold on. Like,
0: <laughs> cat <bird laughs> present, too. You know? She's in there somewhere. Hold <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs>
1: yes, and he's like, wow, that was a big one, guys. That was a big sacrifice. Welcome back, Hunkame. Get fucked, Fuku Kame. But Hunkame remembered his lessons about kindness and lets his brother live. He just gives him a little, like, slap on the wrist. It's like, bad. Don't do it again.
0: Well, and there's also this, like, thread in here about, like, Cassiopeia realizing that in her relationship with her family she's the Kame. yes
1: yes she really related to him yeah
0: like that basically hunkame was actually kind of a dick to his brother he was the martine yeah so it's like hmm really makes you think
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Uh, uh. Unkame brings Cassiopeia back to life and he gives her the power of language and some money and shit. And is like, please go live your life to the fullest. And they kiss one last time before he is fully a god. And as they kiss, Unkame's love for Cassiopeia changes the landscape of Jabalba and flowers appear everywhere and the stars twinkle
0: a little bit brighter and it is so sweet. She's like, oh, he's gonna revert back to being a god and his heart is gonna leave him. But then like, Mm -hmm. he keeps one tiny little bit of his human heart And so he loves Cassiopeia. Oh, so good. And
1: like, yeah, she's gonna die someday. Just wait. Just wait, y'all. Also, Cassiopeia's like, don't kill Martine, please. And then Kami's like, oh, fine.
0: Fine, I guess. (laughs) Fine, I guess for you, babe.
1: (laughs) Uh, And there's like a little dialogue between Cassiopeia and her cousin where they're both like, well, we're not going back to that place. Already, fuck off. We're not going back to that place. Martine is going to go off adventuring looking for forgiveness in one direction. And Cassiopeia is going to hop in this car with Lorette, who just... He was like, hey, Hunkame sent me... Said you might need a ride. Want to go to New Orleans? And um, they do. Well, they go great. off on an adventure.
0: I know it was very sad that Cassiopeia and Hunkame did not end up together. It but I'm actually satisfying. pretty glad they didn't. Because yeah. I feel like... The way it's written, a lot of the criticism that gets lobbed at YA specifically, mm-hmm. um, whether or not this is YA, you know, whatever, but is that like, oh, the relationships relationships are treated like they're going to be together forever, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you probably aren't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you will break up in a year, tops.
0: This is like a super healthy 18-year-old relationship for her to be like, I really, lo- like, I love this person. Mm-hmm. We have to go in different directions. We have made each other better people. And we're both going to go do our own things. And maybe one day we'll come back together, but probably not. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, this was a good message. Yeah,
1: and, and is like, yeah, what are you going to do? Like, mope for a decade or two? That's stupid. Let's just go. Let's <laughs> let's,
0: let's go. enjoy our life. Let's go to Quebec or whatever. Yeah.
1: Like, Yeah, yeah. Which, I was like, those are the choices. We could either go to New Orleans or, like, spend another 24 hours or more in this 1920s vehicle driving to Quebec.
0: It would be more than 24 hours for sure yeah yeah just just stop at New Orleans regardless like (laughs) I feel like he was kind of like he's because he's like a demon god or whatever Mm -hmm. he kind of doesn't really understand how like distance works
1: oh yeah 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 I mean he (laughs) didn't know how to read maps so maybe he thought Quebec was a lot closer
0: he's like they both speak French whatever that's where I want to (laughs) go also I want the sequel because I kind of ship them also
1: yeah, I would like to see this relationship develop, too, because, you know, yeah, I was into it. He bought her all those pretty clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Halfway what I want. there for me.
0: <laughs> An ancient man to buy me pretty things. Oh,
1: dang. Oh, if only.
0: Oh, dreams.
1: <laughs> if I could only be the thrall of some vampire
0: somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this book was great. I really liked it.
1: I'm glad you liked it. Whether or not it was magical realism, whatever, but
0: Well, like I said, I think like to bring us to genre wrap up here, like I said, I think this is probably the first successful unit in that like we've had of the four units we've done so far, mm-hmm. two no wait.
1: Well Robinson Aid was
0: pretty successful. Robinsonade, no. Oh no, because I still hate the genre. Right. Robinson Aid was not successful because <laughs> We finished the genre, loved the book, said we would never go read more of the genre. <laughs> same with... Uh, same with cyberpunk. Same with cyberpunk. New Adult, I think, was... Uh, it could go either way. Either way. This is the first one where I'm like, yeah, I'll go read some more magical realism. Just so I can see if I can figure out what the fuck it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. If
0: only. like, We need a larger sample size. Yes.
1: <laughs> Three was not big enough.
0: But I, I enjoyed both of the ones that we read that were not skellig so. <laughs> yeah
1: skellig was just like i don't know some sort of beastly t- combination of things i just <laughs> ugh, did not care for that there's uh, too much body horror in that yeah <laughs> middle grade book oh my god so cool so we read this enjoyed this may explore some other magical realism
0: titles in the future but is
1: there anything else you're reading
0: Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of recommendations, I guess, this week. First off, I mentioned that, you know, death god, death god dating is like one of my favorite tropes, but uh,
1: (laughs) please send us all of your death god books suggestions, please.
0: I wanted to shout out, not a book, but because, of course, I don't read books, apparently, but a webcomic that I really like, which is um, Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. Which is a retelling of the Hades-Persephone myth, but with, like, the gods all exist in a realm that's kind of, like, modern, and then, like, the world itself is, like, ancient ancient Greece, right? Okay, Um, okay. So it's, like, the Persephone myth, but, like, a lot less creepy with the kidnapping and stuff, Good. like so, which is fun. And also the the art style is really cool and unique. Um, nice. So maybe check that out if you if you also want to read about some fuckable death gods. Uh, Hell yes. But the other one that I have been reading this week doesn't have as much of a connection to it aside from there's a lot of death stuff in it, um, and it's actually one that I think seems like more of a book that you would have picked up, but it's Mask of Shadows by Lindsay Miller. It's about this uh, like thief, this like small time petty thief who, okay, okay. when they are uh, in the middle of a heist, they find this, I guess like application or like poster that's advertising to come audition to be one of the royal court as like the court assassin oh so they, damn yeah this sounds like an anna book right so 100%. they go to the court and they end up getting pulled into this audition where it's like them against 20 some other people and they all have to kill each other and it's very dramatic and there's a lot of stabbing and blowing I up and love stuff. the sound of that um but yeah i'm i haven't finished that one but i'm like two-thirds of the way through and it's really interesting so far and i've really been enjoying it so maybe check that out if you want just some straight-up death, no dating. There is oh. romance in it, but not with a death god. What well, is even the point? What's the point? How about you? Uh,
1: um. Well, I don't know. Have you guys heard of the series called Percy Jackson?
0: Oh, my God. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, kind of struggling with this one because I haven't read anything recently because I read this book, and then I was just like, I cannot pick up another book again. <laughs> just like, started it
0: over from the beginning. <laughs>
1: So it might be a little while until I do some unassigned reading. But um, (laughs) I was also thinking a little bit of the graphic novel series The Wicked and the Divine by Kieran Gillen and illustrated by Jamie McKelvey.
0: Oh, I've heard of that. I haven't read it yet.
1: Yeah, I read it a, a while ago, so I don't remember a lot of the details of it. But basically, it's like there's a cycle where 12 different gods incarnate as humans and then Mm. they have like two years on earth and then they die again
0: wow that seems like the exact level of angsty bullshit that i need in my life right
1: though so um (laughs) i I read like a collection maybe i just read the first volume maybe i didn't read like i I thought i read more of them but maybe not because i was looking at the covers i'm like these don't look familiar but uh... (laughs) I really
0: enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever part of it you read.
1: Yeah, I remember really loving the art style. Mm. And then there was also, there's a webcomic that I used to read. This, like, came out in probably the mid-2000s. Um, you know, back when, like, webcomics were everywhere.
0: Yeah, um, Called Gun- Gunner Craig Court. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that on, like, list of webcomics to read, and I never read it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's... I don't know if it was finished. I know it definitely wasn't when I stopped reading it, but it's... There's a lot of, like, mythology, and Mm. um, it's mostly, I think... I want to say it's Norse mythology, because Loki...
0: Sounds like it. Let me look it up real quick.
1: Oh, my God. I don't remember at all, but you guys... It is a book where a girl is at a boarding school, and then mythological things start happening to her, and it's online for free, so check it out. Yo,
0: I have news for you. Yeah? It is still updating.
1: Holy moly. And the art still
0: looks the same. As of May 4th, 2020, it is still updating. It is on chapter 76, page 11.
1: Y'all, go read this. I'm gonna catch up. That's awesome. Good for you, Tom. What's your last name? Sedell. Sedell. Good for you, Thomas Sedell.
0: All right, cool. Well, a lot of stuff to check out then. Web yeah. comic and other different mediums.
1: <laughs> Don't forget that Percy Jackson.
0: I really do like Percy Jackson. I was I'm getting
1: like. the part where they were in that hotel. I was getting like mm. real Nico and Casino vibes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, so next week we are reading. It's going to be a morph Monday. We're reading Animorphs Number. Mur-mur-mur. The remember, uh, I really need to write this shit down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the underground.
0: I think you're right. Yeah, and I
1: think it's number eighteen. Eighteen, but I, yeah.
0: let me look that up. It's number seventeen. Okay, cool. So that's what we're reading next. Uh, for animorphs. It's a Rachel POV. <laughs> it's a Rachel POV. It's not good. You, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> And then the week after that, we're going to be finishing up the last unit that we have ongoing right now, which is our listener-submitted uh, Mission from Elliot, mm-hmm. um, books that in which there is a play that comes to life in some way. We had talked about just doing the submission that Elliot sent us which was uh masquerade by Terry Pratchett but since we just recently read a different Terry Pratchett book we decided to do some research of our own and see if we could find something that fit the genre so we're going to be reading Saving Hamlet by Molly Booth which seems a little similar to the middle grade one we read in that there is time travel involved but I think it does fit the bill and we'll see if we like it or not I guess
1: yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be an easy read, which is the most important thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Always good.
1: <laughs> if it couldn't have been Terry Pratchett, it had to have been an easy one.
0: And then after that, we're going to be starting our new units, which I don't, I don't know, I don't think we're going to reveal yet. But Anna, do you have one in mind? Do you know what your no, next thing is going to? That's be? why what? I'm not revealing
1: it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm kind of like waffling between a couple.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's where I'm at too. I have yeah. two that I think one of them the thing is I feel like one would be a lot easier to define mm. whereas the other one is kind of more nebulous but I have a specific book for like the one is okay. more defined but I don't have a specific book to start the unit with the other one I have a specific book to start the unit with but I feel like the rest of the unit's going to be hard to do so I don't know if I want to screw you over like that <laughs>
1: that's kind of where i am like i have one book that fits but then if i did this every other book in the in the genre is like 700 pages long so Mm-mm. always the uh,
0: problem yeah oh <laughs> uh, so i guess tune we'll in you, next week yeah we'll let you guys know when we <laughs> finally decide we what we, our where shit we're going out next. <laughs>
1: In the meantime, if you have a uh, suggestion for a unit or even just one book that you would like us to cover on this podcast, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Because I know you're just as eager as we are to figure out what we're going to be talking about <laughs> on this podcast next. <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five star review. But if you don't use Apple Podcasts, it's okay because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like or in person or really just like whatever. Just do whatever, talk about us. <laughs> in the words of Sylvia Moreno Garcia, I understood what he said, she told Hunkame. How is that possible? Death speaks all languages, he replied, but I am not death. You wear me like a jewel upon your finger, Cassiopeia, he said, and offered her his arm with a practiced aloofness.
0: Whew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, just so horny for death over here. <laughs> I know,
1: right? Oh, someone just like, I don't know. Write a paper about us because I need to. I need to know why. <laughs> why am I? <laughs> Gods of Jade and Shadow by
0: author's name Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I think.
1: Yes, that sounds right.
0: You say it. I will
1: the... once I. I just I need to see it <laughs> or else I'm gonna kindle just go to the cover page piece of shit by sylvia moreno garcia (laughs) seamless